Hey everybody, this is Senior Pastor Joshua B. Carson saying thank you for tuning into the CT Podcast. We hope that your time here, whether you're driving down the road or whether you're sitting at home with a journal and listening in, we hope that it's effective. Maybe it'll be inspirational, encouraging. Maybe it'll be thought-provoking. Regardless of what session you're listening to, we truly pray that this is a benefit to you and to your family. God bless and enjoy the podcast. I want to turn your attention here uh, tonight to the book of Galatians. To start, thank you for being in the house of the Lord on this Wednesday evening. I don't feel like this can be overstated, and I don't want this to just be lip service. I mean this very sincerely. You, you jumped through a lot of hurdles to be here on a Wednesday night, and we understand that. Work, school, family, career, and then you fight traffic. I'm not sure if you know, but they're doing construction in Indianapolis. A couple thousand areas where they are working. So thank you for being here tonight. If you've not yet eaten dinner, I promise that I plan to land this plane by eight to get you out of here. Galatians chapter 5 Verse 26, thank you for being in the house of the Lord. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. Last week we spent the entire session discussing that blessing comes from God. We talked about that manager, that shrewd manager from Luke that it must be our desire to honor God with our lives and therefore with our finances. I need to reiterate, it's very important that I reiterate, hell hates when we discuss this topic. Because I'm telling you, when God gets our checkbook, it's pretty obvious He got us. Calendar and checkbook are pretty obvious at bearing witness who we serve. And so tonight, in this week two, we're going to pray about it. My topic is on fear and debt. Fear and debt. And we're going to talk about how one feeds the other and kind of how this works in our Money Matters series. Um, I believe the Lord wants to do something specific for hundreds of people in this room tonight. I can't tell you how much I've been in tune with with the fact that we're dealing with spiritual things in this topic. I think God is trying to help us right now. So right where you're at, would you pray with me that His Word would be effective in our hearing? Lord, I love You and I thank You for what we feel. I thank You for Your presence, for the incredible touch of Your Spirit that has been in this house thus far for what we have felt. We know the Holy Ghost is moving in this house. I pray you would touch our ears, our hearts, our minds. Help us not to be distracted, but rather to be engaged with your word. Help me, O God, that I might teach your word with wisdom and with clarity. But most importantly, let the anointing of the Holy Ghost be upon the words that are spoken and let them be received into people that that we want to be your disciples. We want to follow after you. 
So help us, we ask it in Jesus' name. And let everyone say amen. Amen. You may be seated. We're talking tonight, Money Matters Week 2, on fear and debt. I want everyone to hear this, and it might seem like a throwaway statement, but it's more than that. Having money does not equal happiness. It really doesn't. Having money does not equal happiness. I mentioned that statement to you from Howard Hughes last week when asked how much do you really need, his response was just a little more. The register did a study of lottery winners and discovered that the average amount of happiness it brings to the lottery winner lasts three months. Unless you learn contentment, you'll always want more, no matter how much you make. Okay? No matter how much you make. Having money does not equal happiness. It's about godly principles. So here we go. Number one, the fear, note takers, the fear caused by comparison. Living in the fear of being lesser according to some American standard, has forced people outside of biblical principles and into staggering and in many cases even crushing debt. Comparison leads to what is known as the debt trap. How many know that that's a real thing? Comparison is dangerous. I remind us as disciples of Christ, as believers in this room, Our comparison needs to be to this book. Yeah, right. It's 2023. This book. Not some airbrushed magazine cover. Not some guy that pulls up next to you in the gas station when you're on your way to work overtime in your truck that's barely getting there while he pulls up in some brand new truck with a boat behind him. You want to be that guy? That guy's liable to have a more expensive truck than home. There's entire studies on this that are pretty funny and pretty fascinating. I don't want to go there. I don't want to be disparaging. Luke 12. Turn there in your Bibles if you will. Or look at the screen. Luke 12. And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. There's a lot of people. I want to I say there's a lot of guys, but it's not just guys. Guys and gals. We like our toys here in America. Come on. I'm at Calvary. We like our Jeeps. (laughs) Oh, pastor, don't preach against Jeeps. Don't worry. I'm not. Not at all. Not at all. I like your Jeeps too. Okay? Listen, if you can afford it. (laughs) Did you feel that in the room? Welcome to my job. Uh, But the Bible says we're not meant to do this, we got to beware of covetousness. we got to be careful, not thinking that if we gather things, 
we gather approval. When we compare ourselves more to society than Scripture, we're on the road to failure. And I would tell someone in this room tonight to hear me very clearly, you're on the road to depression. We wonder why there's such a mental health crisis. Not a lot of people want to talk about it. Look at our national debt. We're going to talk about it tonight. Proverbs 22 and 7, note takers, the rich ruleth over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. Let's talk about some synonyms for debt, okay? Left owing, obligated, or overwhelmed financially. If you think that sounds fun, you've got a different definition of fun than I do. Being in deficit, default, difficulty, distress. How about some Americanisms? Man, I'm tied up. Let's run a few together. Being tied up, in over your head, with the wolf at the door. <laughs> some of the younger ones like, I don't know, okay, I don't know. Some of the, I saw some of the middle-aged and elders be like, yeah, that wolf, that wolf. Living hand to mouth. How about this? Being broke, busted, and disgusted. Welcome to America. United States of America is thankful for your service. We live in a culture built on instant gratification. And you know what? We live in flesh that loves it. That's why we have high highs and low lows. Instant gratification. Buy now, pay later. You know what that is? It's trouble. It's trouble. It's the road to failure. Let's look at our consumer debt. Most recent stats, 22 and 23 consumer debt stats. 572 million Americans carry a credit card balance. 47% of these users carry a balance forward from month to month. I'll get it next month. <laughs> Good luck. Middle name is interest. Average mortgage, mortgage debt in the U.S. is $236,443. Average student loan balance per borrower, $37,000. All the Bible college students said, oh, thank you, Jesus. Average balance per car loan, over $22,000. Average credit card balance per borrower, nearly $6,000. Average household debt per household. This means you got a card, your wife's got a card, somebody else in the house has a card. Average household debt, 101, almost 102,000. That's on top of the mortgage. That's on top of the car. The current American debt is $32 trillion. That's a lot of zeros. That's a lot of zeros. And so are we really shocked if we simply try to emulate the surroundings of our society when we cannot get ahead financially? It's a dangerous thing to try to live in comparison with the people next door or the people across town. It's our job to be honest about debt 
and what it looks like. And ladies and gentlemen, I love this country. I want to be very clear. I am thankful to be an American. But I also want you to hear me. I am not getting the model of how I treat finances from them. I'm getting how I treat finances from this Word. Before I dig any deeper, I want to say this, okay, and I want to be very clear. I recognize there are positive and negative ways to argue debt and credit financially. And there are some people in this room on different sides of the spectrum. There are some people in here that don't like to argue, but there are some of you that do. (laughs) Don't point at your neighbor. Don't point at your spouse. You can elbow them, but don't point at them. There is an American system of building and establishing credit. I get it. I understand I'm not asking which financial guy you love or you don't love. Some that carry credit easily differentiate between upside down versus right side up or equity when it comes to discussing debt. And I'm all about it. I understand it. I get it. You've got to do what works for you. I'm not after that. I'm just after you better make sure that what works for you works for him. Is that okay? Does that make sense? All right, let me give you a couple examples on this just in case. Example number one, you owe $22,000 on your car loan. However, the current market value of your vehicle is $18,000. You are upside down, okay? To anyone in here that is like, no, I think it's worth $22,000. Well, the market says, yeah, but I don't really trust the market. Everyone else does, okay? Car Guru says it, KBB says it, everyone says it but you, okay? That means you're gonna eat that $5,000 if you, if you sell it right now, upside down. Everyone say upside down. You're upside down. Now, let's look at scenario number two. I know that this is, for some people, this is overly simplistic. For other people in the room, light bulbs just went off. I've always just nodded along when someone said upside down. Number two, you owe $236,000 on your home mortgage. However, the current market value of your home is $345,000. Then you're right side up with equity in your home of over $100,000. So in this scenario, while you might have debt on the home, you have liquid equity that is sitting there or if you can get it in such a way. So that's a very positive thing, okay? We understand that. I'm not coming after you. I don't want anyone walking out here and say, Pastor, was after anybody with a house? No. Come on, that's not what I'm doing. I guess we, he's wanting everybody to sell their homes and move into, but I think I heard him say I could buy a truck and a boat. I, that's, I heard that in the beginning. <laughs> Phone a friend, okay? So that takes us to this second thing I wanna talk about tonight on this debt crisis or this debt trap. I wanna talk about some red flags that you're living in the debt trap. Red flags. Because not everyone in here is living in the debt trap. In fact, a lot of people in this room are not. 
You're not. You're living in an incredible financial place. And I want to say something here tonight. Our church is, is starting this incredible mentorship program this fall. They've been working hard behind the scenes. I've mentioned it one time before with uh, business leaders and owners that are going to be doing some mentorship and some help. Ladies and gentlemen of the body, those that are financially wise and sound, we need to take some of the younger generation under our arm and younger generation and middle-agers like myself, we need to let them just talk to us. I, I, I'm so, if I embarrass you, I apologize. I don't want to embarrass you. Um, a couple of months ago, I, I asked Brother Coogan, I said, can we just spend some time together? I just want to, I just want to talk to you. I just want you to talk to me about, about you, you, you've done so good with business and finance. Those that know Brother Coogan's story, he's been so wise financially um, and the way that he's done this, he's honored God with this. Again, I apologize. You get on to me later about this. But I just, he said, Pastor, I'd love to just spend some time with you. But I just wanted to glean from the elder some choices. Our entire conversation, we drove around downtown India and we talked about his passion for this city. I'm going to tell you right now, when you honor God with your finances and you have a burden for your community and the souls in it, that's a recipe for some good God stuff. Amen? And so the only reason I use that very personal example is if I, who am trying to do very well and be very wise as a financial steward and have been for the last many, many years, multiple decades now, if I still want to glean, I'm telling every person my age and younger, you need to continue to glean wisdom. Well, I read a book. Great. Read another one, but make a relationship. Amen? So let's talk about these red flags. Are you ready? Here we go, red flags for this consumer debt or this debt trap. Number one, I'll just purchase with credit what I can't with cash. If we depend on credit to maintain our lifestyle, then we're spending too much. I was in a, I was in a, um, <laughs> it wasn't here, so I'm going to use the story. Moons ago, in a situation, they were broke and they were fighting. Marriages don't, you don't have to raise your hands, but how many marriages in the room? You, you know, finances can help you fight. <laughs> no, pastor, we've never, oh, <laughs> okay. Finances in marriage counseling, Brother Barkus, don't we know it's one of the top things we have to deal with? Finances better be on the same. It's one of the questions we ask early on. Who's the spender? You know when you're engaged who the spender is. So here we are in this scenario and I'm dealing with this couple and they're, they're mad. Boy, they can't... But it's not their fault. They've come to deal with it. It's not their fault. There's just not enough money. And the truth was, they weren't making an exorbitant amount. But in order to get help, they had to be honest. And so we had to look at their bills. Could not pay the house payment, but had a cable bill of nearly $200 a month. We might want to... This, um, I'm going to get crazy. 
this here. The look on their face. What are we going to do? <laughs> Work. <laughs> okay. Evaluating. If we depend on credit to maintain it, we're spending too much. If your balance increasing on credit cards is increasing or never goes away, you have a problem. If every month you're thinking, I'm going to pay it off next month. I'm going to pay it off next month. Very few cards have a low interest rate. This one only has a 16%. One of my fun games with young couples when they tell me they have a credit card is I ask what the interest rate. And when you hear statements like, it's only 15%. Oh. <laughs> okay, I want you to bring scissors to our next meeting. <laughs> Studies show, listen, you spend more when you use credit. Now, I feel the people in the room that are like, I use credit because I pay it off every month. You're fine. I'm not even talking to you. Take your hand, put it on your back. Give yourself, well done, thou good and faithful spender. I use credit card because I'm building points. Excellent. Good for you. It's good for my business. I go to Home Depot. I park in the, good for you. That's great if you're doing it. But if you're not, God knows it whether you admit it or not. I don't think God cares. He cares. He cares. And when you, I, I use missions a lot because it's out-focused, and this is a church that is outward-focused. We try to support every single missionary in the movement. Every, why do we do that? We want to be outward-focused. If we give, He gives. But I'm going to tell you, when you are under the grip of debt, I'm going to know it is hard to give. We'll get there in a minute. So that's a red flag. Number two red flag, delaying payments or paying the minimum due. <laughs> I'm getting right in some people's business here. Yeah, but it said I only needed to pay $32.88. Yeah, so that when you get the bill next month, it's like you never paid that $32.88. Where are my finance people that know what I'm talking about right now? I see some heads nodding like he's telling the truth. Romans 13 and 8, oh, no man, anything. The NIV said, let no debt remain outstanding. If you find yourself under tension because of money, checks frequently bounce or they're over insufficient funds, uh, uh, dip into reserves to pay your credit bills. Listen, you've got to differentiate what savings is really for. Okay? Delaying payments, paying the minimum. Number three. You find yourself on the internet looking for get-rich schemes. <laughs> I have this new thing. Sounds like a pyramid scheme. It's not. Sell the whole thing and they're like, that's a pyramid scheme. <laughs> okay. Proverbs 21 and 5, the thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness, but of everyone that is hasty, is hasty only to want. I'm going to read it in a different translation Outside of KJV, I want to read it in the NLT. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, 
Oh, pastor, come on. Are you, are you preaching prosperity here tonight? Are you going to get into that doctrine? I'm, I'm teaching wisdom. Biblical financial wisdom. I'm not, I'm not saying blab it and grab it. I'm not saying, God, I need a meal. And I meant that short for million, not meal, like M-E-A. People get in debt by living in a fantasy world. Always waiting on the big deal to close. We all know that we have some of these friends. It's always right around the bend. The next deal is going to be a big one. I said this the other day and I'm going to say it again and I don't know why I felt charged on it, but I'm going to say it again. Gambling is stupidity. Okay, there could be nicer ways to say it, but that's in my notes, so that's what I got to say. That's what it says. I'm bound to them. Let's go to number four. Unable or fearful to tithe, give offerings, save. Malachi 3 and 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But Josh, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. Matthew 23 and 23. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. For ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of law, judgment, mercy, and faith. Then he goes on to say, and some people throw tithe out from Jesus there, but he goes on and says, these things ought ye to have done and not leave the other undone. In the NLT, it reads this way. For you're careful to tithe even to the tiniest income from your herb, garden, or herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. This is Christ speaking. Proverbs 21 and 20. There is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man spendeth it up. This is on the saving. Living Bible says the wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. Matthew 22 and 21, Jesus, give to Caesar what Caesar's, and to God what is God's. Say, Pastor, that one came out of nowhere. What's that about? If I'm not giving tithes and offerings, I'm in trouble. Elders, I know you got it. Middle age and young people, you listen to me. If you're not giving tithes and offerings, you're in trouble. My generation, listen to me. If we're not giving, if we're not returning our tithes and giving our offerings to the Lord, we're in trouble. With who? With him. You know me well enough to know I don't harp on money. Nobody can judge me on that. But I can tell you this, I want to be right with this book. And another part of this book that is if I'm not saving, I'm in trouble. You know how I know, man, I'm being really vulnerable right now. Get on to me later. 
Here's how I know the enemy hates. I've started this finance series. It's so, it is so important. I've started this finance. Some people think this is just coincidence. Since I've started this finance series, I've had $13,000 worth of stuff break down. <laughs> I told somebody, I told Sister Brown that earlier. I told Sister Brown. I said, I, I said this series, the devil hates this series. But I, you know why I haven't been shook by it? Because I prepared for if this stuff happens. I'm not excited. I got to be honest. I didn't get the bill. I didn't have it break down. And I was like, yes. When my wife called me this afternoon and said, I hate to tell you this, but I think our water heater just exploded. There was no part of me on the other side of the phone that was like, I've been hoping. I've been waiting. I thought maybe. I've been dreaming about it. No. But you know what it's not going to do? It's not going to steal my joy. It's not going to affect whether or not I can give. Does that make sense? The enemy wants us to live so fascinated with the American dream that when problems actually happen, we have to choose between God and our stuff. That's good teaching. That's Bible teaching. And I know it's out of date, but it's got to get back in date. It's, it's right and it's righteous. And I want to live up to it. And here's the other one that's going to be controversial with some. But if I can't pay my taxes, I'm in trouble. Let's talk about some practical steps of getting out of debt. Some of you are sitting here. I don't want anybody to be feeling... If you're convicted, it's okay. I don't want anyone to feel condemned. Okay? Practical steps to getting out of debt. Number one, you got to commit. Commit. Turn to your neighbor. Get your eyes as big as you can and tell them, you got to commit to being debt free. <laughs> Psalm 37, 21, the wicked borrow and borroweth and pay it not again. There have been extreme circumstances. I understand what I'm about to say might be sensitive. So I want everyone to hear me very clearly. There have been extreme circumstances. The goal here is not to feel guilt over the past. I don't know if anyone's ever had to do this. I'm speaking to present and looking forward, okay? But, but I want to be honest. I want to be godly from where we are now moving forward. I hope my disclaimer was well received for what I'm about to say. Well, I'll just file bankruptcy and start over. Just because it's legal doesn't mean it's moral. There are a lot of things in this world that are legal that believers should not be a part of. Pastor Carson, you don't even understand. Sometimes in business, these things that... I'm talking about kingdom business. And I understand there may be things in the past and there may be things where you're dealing with right now, but I want especially this younger generation to hear me. It is not our duty to live up to this American dream of envy and covetousness and then get ourselves to a place where we'll just let the government write it. Mm. It won't be easy to get out of debt. It's gonna take commitment. It's gonna take discipline. 
It's going to take perseverance. You might have to get rid of that vehicle and drive one that doesn't look as shiny. There might be delayed gratification. And if we're not careful, it might build character. No one just drifts out of debt. I don't know how it happened. You have to be intentional. You have to be disciplined. You must honestly evaluate and work yourself out of debt. I am all for all these interviews that they put on the radio and and, 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 and these seminars with these finance things of these people that stand up and they've got out of, out of debt. I am, I'm going to confess to you that I think people full of the Holy Ghost, we have an upper hand on this. And I don't think it's, well, we just pray and the debt goes away. But I do think that the Holy Ghost gives you strength. I do think that the Holy... How many know that the Holy Ghost can help somebody that's naturally introverted come out of their shell? I've got one of the smartest people I know, pastors in, in Texas, one of the smartest speakers, brother, how he was speaking at a conference I heard him a, a couple of years back, and he said, I did not have the Holy Ghost when I first went to college. Did not have the Holy Ghost. He said, I was a miserable student. He said, when I received the Holy Ghost, my ability to learn changed. He said, I can't explain it other than my ability to learn changed when I got the Holy Ghost. He's got a doctorate today. He's one of the most well-respected. How does that happen? There is something about the power of the Holy Ghost. And it will help you to get out of debt. All right? So, to get out of the debt trap, we've got to do that, what, what some would call that triple finance reverse, okay? Got to stop overspending, repay the principal and the interest, learn how to operate on financial margin, which means I spend less than I make. Oh, are we supposed to do? Yeah, we're supposed to do that. Supposed to do that. I know, I feel some of the students in the room like, so like Taco Bell, it, that's not every day. Not every day. Some of you are like, well, I have my dad's credit card. Well, <laughs> then take me. Uh, Number two, two, you got to commit to it. Number two, I don't know. Start with God and then yourself. Deuteronomy 14, 23. The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your life. We need that note. We need that notated in our Bible. We need that as a part of our life. We still believe. We love, we love to quote Deuteronomy in regards to the oneness of God. We ought to enjoy quoting it in regards to why we live and give the way we do. Tithing, offering, saving. Proverbs 3, I'll give you some scriptures. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2. Proverbs 21 and 5. Proverbs 21, 20. Add those to your notes. They'll be on the app as well if you want those later. For many, this is a major reorganization of your finances and yet riddled across this room are people that worked themselves out of debt. 
I don't know if anyone would be willing or comfortable, but if there's anyone here, you've made the hard journey back out of debt and you have felt the financial freedom of that hard work, would you raise your hand if it's been a great testimony for you? Look at all the hands up in this room. It's hard to express the weightless, the weight that's lifted to work yourself. Hmm. Number three, here's a practical tip to it. I got to list everything I own and I got to list everything I owe. Ignorance of your financial condition is a recipe for disaster. Proverbs 18 and 13. He that answereth a matter before he hears it, it is folly and a shame unto him. Another translation says, it's stupid to decide before knowing the facts. Well, here's what I'm going to do. This is how much, uh, this is how much I'm going to save. This is how I'm getting out. And then you ask the question, well, what do you currently owe? Um, mm, around, never trust words like around or approximately. Proverbs 24 and 3, by wisdom a house is built and through understanding it is established. If you're stuck in the debt trap, you might have to sell some things. Okay, I've talked about this publicly before. I don't love yard sales, but I, but I love junk less. So the other, the other day, my wife had a yard sale. I don't think I complained. Did I complain? No? And then she came in and told me how much money she made after two days of yard. It was record-breaking, trust me, just... Shattering. I don't know what we'll do with all those ones and ones of dollars, but. <laughs> but somehow she manages to sell stuff I would just throw away. Where are my throwaway people? Thank oh, I love you. Just keep your hand up. You have a special place. Or some of you I love on a hook. Who, who's like me? I could pull it all in the backyard. One match. A little bit of... Sister Gail, one time, I, I'll never forget early on, I was trying to throw that stuff away, and my wife said, no, 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 no. I said, we're not doing this. She said, Joshua? I told everybody. Sister Gail, I'll never forget when you said, remember that stuff you told me to throw away? I don't remember how many thousand it was, but several thousand dollars. She said, your wife sold all that stuff. Remember when we ripped up that old carpet? My wife sold. You can't make this up. You, yes. There was no backing on it. There's I'll tell you why. Some people, you have, you have the ability to sell. Um, I would appreciate you not asking my wife to sell your stuff. <laughs> but, whatever. But sell it. You might have to sell some stuff. And I will tell you this. If you have anything that is material in your life that you could never part with, it's an idol. I don't have anything in my life right now materialistic I couldn't do without. I'd love to keep our family photos, but they can take my house, they can have my truck, 
They can take the vehicles. I'm, my identity is not wrapped up in any of that nonsense. And we need to be the same way. If you think you're a lesser you because your shoes come from a different store, you probably shouldn't wear those shoes. I'm about to meddle. Okay? You'd never carry that bag. Come on, lady. Okay. Here I am. You say, yeah, get on that costly array. You've got to remember what's costly array to one person might not be costly array to another. That's why we've got to be careful. One of the fiery darts of the enemy is to make you judge what someone else is wearing or carrying. You want to say if they were a little more holy, they might not be carrying that when the truth is they, that might not be costly array based on what they make and you've got to be okay they're blessed. It's just a principle. It's just a principle. All right. Number four, I'm almost done. I got five minutes. I'm gonna, I'm gonna land this plane. Number four. I've only got 17 points. Number four. I'm just kidding. This is the last one. I saw some of you like, I thought we were going to Taco Bell when he said Taco Bell. Number four, set up a repayment plan. I said it earlier. I'm gonna say it again. You're never gonna get out of debt accidentally. You gotta be intentional. I get wearied when, when, when people don't write stuff down. Maybe you got a memory like a steel trap, but most of us need a plan on paper or digital. The mind is a great place to have ideas, a terrible place to keep them. Proverbs 21 and 5, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. Proverbs 20 and 18, every purpose is established by counsel and with good advice make war. You know what we need to make war against? Debt. And the lies of the enemy that if we don't live in a certain house or drive a certain vehicle or wear a certain type of threads that we're not... Always seek wise counsel before making a major financial decision. Okay. Before you pull up to your parents' house with a new vehicle, I beg thee, talk to somebody. I can afford it. I make a thousand dollars a month, and it's only eight hundred. You, you can't afford it. You know why they gave it to you? Because they know they're getting it back. They know it's coming back on a truck. You drove away, it's going to be delivered to them. A truck is going to show up to your house in the middle of the night or at your friend's place. And you're having a party and you're right in the middle of a chicken wing and you're going to look out the window and you're going to beep, 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 beep. And you're going to run out there and you're going to say, that's my car. And they're going to say, no, it's not. It's not your car. It was never your car. It was a dream you called reality. Okay, I've got two minutes. Stand with me. Seek wise counsel. Everybody repeat after me. My plan. Must include, a budget must include a budget and a debt snowball. And a debt snowball. Okay? 
It's a little Ramsey language for you. If you don't like that, use different language. I don't care. But you've got to have a budget and you've got to eliminate debt strategically. Don't go after the big thing first. Well, I owe 20000 on this and 573, so I'm going to start chipping away at that 20000 By the time you're done, that 573 is going to be 3700 Kill this little giant and then start putting everything, those yard sales, that car you traded in, got to have a budget and a debt snowball. Proverbs 16 and 17, and 16 and 7, excuse me. When a man's ways please the Lord, he taketh even his enemies, maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Practical tips. Ready? For you to tell your creditors. I don't want to file bankruptcy on you. <laughs> don't say it pretentious. Don't say it arrogant. Say it humbly. Don't just avoid their call. Guess what? You avoiding their call does not make them disappear. I know what I'll do. I'll press block. <laughs> you pressing block does not make that debt go. <sighs> you know where it's going to be? On your credit score. And then you're going to be a Christian without Christian character. That was kind of heavy for ending. I don't want to file bankruptcy on you. How about this? I can't pay, and this is generic, I can't pay $25 a month, but I can pay you $5 a month. And they're going to say, we ain't doing $5 a month. Maybe we can do $15 a month. You say, I can't do $15 a month. Maybe I can do $7 a month. And how many have ever played this game? If you've never played this game, it's not a fun game, but it's a necessary game. And then this, ask them for help. Unless you stop the compounding interest You've got to tell, unless we stop this compounding interest, I'm never going to be able to pay you back. And I want to pay you back. I don't, you know how bad you will shock a creditor by telling them, I don't want to avoid my bill. I want to pay off my bill. You, you'll floor them. They get a thousand hangups a day. They get chewed out over and over. All these blocks. Somebody to answer and say, I feel terrible about this. I'm trying to be moral and ethical. Here's where I'm at. Will you work with me? You want to really shock them? Will you work with me as I'm trying to work with myself and work with God to get all my debt taken care of? Yeah, well, pastor, what if, what if they're mean? You don't have any control over them, but you have all the control in the world over you. Amen? Amen. Feels a little more like a seminar. I want to open for Q&A. That's kind of how I feel tonight, Brother Brown. I feel that. Let's, let's do this. Let's ask God to help us. There's, this is such an exhaustive topic. There's no way 45 minutes. But, but here's what I know. If we'll commit to it, God will help us. I'm confirming what some people have been fighting conviction over. It's been keeping your family or your life personally trapped and bound. And it's more than just a new job. It's probably a new way of thinking. Lord, we honor you. 
We honor your word. I'm asking you, help us. I'm asking you for my family. Help us to honor you with our finances. I'm asking you for every single, every married couple, every family represented in this room, from the youngest to the eldest in this room, I pray you'd help us. Help us not to give in to the fear of comparison or the fear that we can't honor you with our finances. Help us not to get caught up in this debt trap. And if we're there, help us to get out of it so that we can live in a financial freedom in a way that we can honor you with our finances. God, when someone needs help, we want to be the person able to give them help. When someone needs assistance, we want to be the ones that are able to give them assistance. To those in this room, oh God, that are, that are honoring your word and they're returning their tithes and they're giving generously in their offerings. They're giving to you as they feel and, and as you're directing them. I'm asking you, just continue to honor your word. I know that you will. You're bound by it. It's settled, God, but let them see that blessing let them see that blessing in their life in all these areas. I'm asking that in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Let everybody say amen. amen. Now remember this homework might be frightening to some if you get intentional about this and you lay all you own and all you owe out and you start to eliminate debt. It might not be a two-month process. It might be the next three years, the next five years. But I'm going to tell you, if it is the next five years, it might free the next 40. <laughs> 